This episode was paid in full by DTN Progressive Farmer. As uncertainty mounts around everything from U.S. politics to interest rates, global stability to input costs, preparing for the year ahead is more important than ever. How will the 2023 DTN Ag Summit help producers do just that? That's today on Field Posts. is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. With harvest well in view for most farmers, plans for winter downtime are starting to come into focus. For years, DTN's Ag Summit has been helping farmers prepare strategically for the uncertainties in markets, weather, and current events of the year to come. And this year is no exception. Today, we're talking to DTN's Katie Dellinger about this year's event entitled Fortifying Your Financial Foundation. Katie will tell us about how the speakers, panels, and discussion opportunities will hone in on this theme, with individual topics running the gamut from farmland issues to tax changes to predictions for markets and weather in the year to come. We'll hear about the National Young Farmers and Ranchers awardees and learn how to register and prepare to attend the virtual event right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at MyDTN.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN Farm Business Editor Katie Dellinger brings us the latest on the 2023 DTN Ag Summit as it comes into sharper focus. Katie, give us a little bit of an overview of the theme and talk about how you all landed on that. Hey, Sarah, it's always wonderful to be here at the DTN Ag Summit this year. Our theme is going to be Fortify Your Financial Foundation. It's lots of Fs. It's going to be a little bit of a tongue twister for me, but they're important. F words that are out there, fortifying, trying to build and strengthen uh, your finances and your financial foundation for farmers. When you look at what's going on in agriculture right now, it's actually in a general, speaking about averages, things are in a pretty good shape. We've had multiple years of record net farm incomes, um, but we're seeing t- signs and lots of indications that the, the tide may be turning, that it's getting a little bit more stressful. In some areas, commodity prices are lower. It, Expenses are higher. Interest is going up. It seems like things are tightening, that we are in this um, sort of questionable spot as to whether this financial cycle or this commodity cycle is about to really tip in earnest this time and where it's going. You never fully know, but it's always important to be prepared. And so we're focusing on fortifying that foundation this year, 
really looking at a lot of the issues that form the basis of farmers' balance sheets, their equity position, their land, what's going on with their interest rate expense, how are they managing their business and their technology costs to make the best of it. So we're going to be looking at all of that in a really comprehensive way over this two-day event. Uh, A nice kind of tease of some of the agenda items there. Anything else you can share about maybe the kind of speakers people can expect to see or what folks might expect to learn this year? We always like to have a really good mix of speakers at these events, Sarah. And by that, I mean, you know, we always like to have farm voices. We usually have a few voices of bankers. We are working right now to get some different voices from a couple of different lenders of different stripes for some of these pieces. We also bring in our internal experts where it's appropriate and important. We're going to be having our weather and our market outlooks for 2024. Those are always done by lead analyst Todd Holtman and our meteorologist John Baranek. We'll have them back again to really give their insights. I think it'll be, we're sitting here right now in the middle of October in our discussion. I think harvest is underway. There's a lot of questions as to what the final yield will be, what farmers will produce this year, the impact on the balance sheet. So will we get a good picture of that as well as the broader and a deeper look at what all the global factors really will mean for the year ahead. I always look forward to uh, Todd's presentation at the Ag Summit. It seems like it It is information that comes about three or four weeks earlier before it starts to be um, read and discussed in other parts of the ag media. So I always like to tune in for Todd. I think it's a great piece of our agenda every year. Talk to us a little bit about breakout sessions and chances for growers to interact in kind of maybe a little bit of a smaller setting or directly with other kind of participants has been a thing that growers really have enjoyed in years past. Talk about opportunities for doing some of that this year. We're working on some of the details of that right now, Sarah, and I'm hoping to have um, more exciting things to share there soon for the opportunities to network and and meet with other participants. Um, So I think we'll have to save that for a future podcast. I, I know that one of the other things that folks always look forward to seeing and learning more about at Ag Summit is DTN's Best Young Farmers and Ranchers program. Is that going to be a feature at this year's as well? Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to getting to know the upcoming class of the America's Best Young Farmers and Ranchers. We select five recipients of that award every year. And this year, they're going to join us in Austin, Texas, a little bit before the DTN Ag Summit for a special um, meeting and conference. And while we're there, we're going to have a panel discussion with them that'll be a part of Ag Summit. We'll include it in the agenda, talking a bit about their operations, their challenges, their opportunities, and really putting the farmer voice and perspective on a lot of these issues that we're talking throughout the day. I'm looking forward to getting to know that group, Sarah. Um, They're always a part of our panel and we'll be looking um, and talking with them on the first day on Tuesday, December 5th. I'm curious, just broadening out the discussion on some of the topics you mentioned, interest rates, you mentioned taxes, land. Talk to us just a little bit more about directions that those conversations might go in. Any more on that? Let me feature just a little bit, talk a little bit about our land panel. I think this is one that we've got most developed so far. A lot of the agenda is still under construction. We are working um, to get a few people confirmed, but one we've already got worked out and put together and that I'm excited for is our our session on land values. We've got three different panelists. We'll have Howard Holderman from Holderman Real Estate and Farm Management, 
David Marin from U.S. Agriculture. It's an investment management company for farmland. And then we'll also have Jeremy Stevens, who's a broker and a partner at National Land Realty. Um, and with that group, I'm really hoping we get a broad sense of the market because Howard Holderman's really national, but he does have that sort of Eastern Corn Belt area. And then Jeremy Stevens is Southern. We've got the investment side. I think we're going to have a really good conversation about things like who's buying in cash, who's buying the competition and that complexion between investors and farmer owner operators, what that means. I think we'll have a good discussion of the implications of foreign land ownership. I know that is a topic in Congress and in some of those um, avenues right now. I think we're going to be getting some firsthand perspective from people who are really into the weeds and the buying and selling of farmland as to what kind of real impact that has on land values and therefore for agriculture and a little more broadly. And I think we're going to also maybe touch into some of the things like what value things like solar can do to farmland values and some of those land issues that are related to those. So I'm really looking forward to that land panel as one of the things we're working on this year. I want to broaden out the discussion too. So much of this and the content for the Ag Summit and the Ag Summit series events that happened earlier this year is very breaking news in the breaking news territory, I would say. I'm curious what kind of stories you're following at the moment and whether any of the stories you're working on right now or have worked on in the last few weeks are informing the way you're thinking about putting programming together for the summit. The way we generally do it, when you look at the timing of the DTN Ag Summit, it's in December, it's at the end of harvest, it's at that sort of transition period, people are wrapping up their paperwork, their accounting, they're doing their grain marketing, they're doing all their things they need to do before the end of the year before they need to file their taxes, they're doing their business planning for 2022. So we try to do our December event really focused on some of the nitty gritty, the things that farmers don't look at while the crop is growing in the field when they're really focused on the agronomic choices that they're making in hand. So that's something that we always tend to do with our, our December event is to take that business forward focus. Whereas like you said, our Ag Summit series tend to be a little bit more news driven tied to the event of the season, which was by design why we brought those into the fold because our Ag Summit is so finance and business heavy compared to the other topics. We will have plenty of newsy elements in here. One of the things that we don't have details on yet, but we do have slated on the agenda is an update on the farm bill. We do know with everything going on in Washington right now, um, given the battle for the speakership, the only one month continuing resolution to fund the government, we're facing another shutdown in just a few more weeks, potentially, depending on how things shake out, all that's delayed the farm bill and its prospects in the house and may raise some interesting questions. So our ag policy editor, Chris Clayton, uh, will be putting together a session on that probably closer um, to the time of completion to make sure we've got a really good sense of where that policy package is, where it's headed, what changes maybe to expect. There are some discussions and debates about things that will likely come down to the wire and it'll just be a really good refresher course and update on where all of those things stand in Washington. I'm curious to hear, I think folks, uh, I think people have been attending the DTNX summit for a very long time and we've had the transition over the last couple of years from an, uh, a largely in-person event to a, a largely digital event. Um, but talk a little bit, if you can, about why have an Ag Summit and kind of what the, the history of this particular event is and why should farmers come? The DTN Ag Summit has 
always had a focus on giving farmers the information they need to make smart choices. And it's really about bringing people together, whether it's used to be in person in Chicago every year. And then after COVID, we needed to switch to the virtual format. We actually got have had really great response rates to this virtual format, Sarah. I think a lot of farmers do like that they can intend from wherever they are and they don't have to travel. And especially as far as making plans to travel in the beginning of December was always difficult, Um, but it's a time period that we really liked and are attached to because of some of our, it's historically our date on the calendar. We really like it there. And so I think why farmers should tune in to the DTN Ag Summit this year and every year is really just a chance to take time to step back from the daily news cycle and really take a thoughtful, deep look at the issues to step away and step into something different, take a moment and then reflect. It changes a viewpoint. When you take a big picture look and you look at these, the amalgamation of all these issues broadly. We're going to start out talking about global economics, then we're going to break it into the biggest equity piece of farmer's balance sheet, that land value that holds up in a sort of the cornerstone of our agriculture financial system, that equity value. So we're going from 50,000 to 30,000. Then we're going to be getting into the nitty gritty of the operating side of things, interest, taxes, grain marketing, We're going to talk about planning around weather, some of those things. So we're really looking at everything from the top to the bottom, front to the back, thorough picture of what's going on. It's a good investment of time for a really big picture understanding of the agriculture economy. I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about some of the knowing that Ag Summit is out there and we'll provide more details of how to sign up and get involved. I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of your recent reporting. I know you've been doing kind of to the point you just made some of that stepping back and looking, taking stock of the year that's been looking at profitability for the last year or two. Talk us through some of your latest reporting and what you've been thinking about as you've done some of your recent stories. One of the things that's been on my mind a lot lately, Sarah, is in the crop insurance realm of things. I recently wrote a story about margin protection insurance, which is a high coverage insurance product offered by RMA, which means that it is subsidized in its premiums. It is an off cycle sort of discovery period for prices, which makes it sort of a strange oddity in the crop insurance world for for corn and soybeans because farmers had to have signed up for this as of beginning of October, October 2nd. The deadline to sign up has passed, but that's for the crop that has not been planted yet. That's for the crop farmers are planting in spring. So it is a very early opportunity to set a a price window for some coverage. Just like you would set the February guarantee in spring, this one does it in September to October. So it is just a different vehicle that's out there. And in my reporting on this story, Sarah, what I found interesting was that there's just been a proliferation of new crop insurance products over the past decade, something like 300 new products from RMA that have been out there. And if you look across, you see it there in the, there are the high coverage plans, the ECO, the SCO, enhanced coverage options, supplemental coverage options. You have things like livestock margin protection that have 
have come out. You have PACE, which is the split nitrogen application endorsement. It has all gotten very complicated, but these are all also important or could be very valuable risk management tools for farmers, depending on what their operations risks and strengths are. And so I think this evolving and more complex crop insurance landscape raises a number of important questions, such as who who are these products serving and are they being used appropriately and enough to really justify the expenses in those things? Because if they're not being used broadly enough, are they actuarially sound? Are there issues like that? But it also raises some questions about, okay, Do these tools act purely as a hedging mechanism for some producers? Do they offset too much of the risk for the producers? There's just a lot of interesting questions there that I would like to dig into more this winter. I think getting some really good resources for producers on what's out there, what to look at, how it's helped or hurt other people will be really good. So that's something where I'm going to turn my focus after harvest kind of concludes and we finish wrapping on that's where I'm going to be looking. Then there's the shorter term crop insurance question of what are payouts going to look like this year? Are yields with commodity prices so much lower now than they were in the spring? We're starting to approach in the money with average yields at 85% coverage. So there are questions, yields fall below average. What are the payouts on crop insurance going to look like this year for what's happened? It's an interesting shade of this fall harvest story that I'll be watching. I want to check in on one other thing, I think, and I am curious. I know this has been a little while since the last Grow Intelligence update to yield figures, but the last time we spoke was Right after the the DTN digital yield tour, I think maybe a lot of folks follow along with that tour. It's very early. It's very interesting because it is the data is a little bit more refined and large scale than at some of the in-person tours. But I think maybe people don't realize that it gets updated as the between when that event happens and when harvest gets underway and even I think after that. So talk a little bit about where Grow Intelligence has been following the updates on the yield for this year. This year has been a really tough one for the satellite yield models, GROW included, as far as accurately predicting some of the impact this wild weather has had on yields. For corn especially, soybeans, we'll have to see on that one because it's also very unpredictable. This year, in general, things turned dry from late May in through June, and then we had a very wet July, and then in a lot of places, the tap turned off again. And so we had a lot of late season drought stress as well. So I think one of the struggles and one of the questions this year is how the satellite yield models that rely on NDVI really reflect the damage that happened in that early corn um, growth stage as the ear is being formed. Some of those questions about kernel rows on the ear, some of those things about that. And then in the latter half of the season, the damage to test weight that happened after all the moisture shut off, there was no subsoil moisture, nothing in the profile to feed that plant and some of the, the losses that happened there as far as test weight and kernel depth, those things. So there are a lot of issues there that really they struggled to show up 
on the NDVI models because at one point in the summer, those plants grew so rapidly that NDVI actually hit a record. So there are some things that were just a little odd there. Grow's yield estimate for corn was significantly higher last time I visited them, um, even then at the digital yield tour, whereas since then, um, USDA has lowered its yield estimates and, and the general perception is that the crop has likely gotten smaller over time rather than bigger. So like last year when Grow was the first one to really alert that a problem was brewing and they were pretty close to the final number early. This year, I think those satellite models struggled um, with this weather pattern that it had no uh, data to compare to. And I think it maybe missed out, or at least it pointed to the importance of some of those um, alternative phases for producing corn yield, other than just the strict pollination that everyone really looks for as the big one. Some of these other ones do play important roles as well. I'm curious, as you're looking to the next couple of months, obviously you're going to be very busy continuing to plan for the DTN Ag Summit, but talk about any other stories that you are interested in or excited about that our listeners should keep an eye out for. Yeah, I think I'm going to be watching um, the land market this fall, Sarah. I think I'm going to be looking at the auction reports that I get each week, trying to see uh, what's happening there, because I think this is a, 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 a point in time that's interesting for that market. Rates have gotten high enough that it's raising um, some questions, or maybe is it high enough to quell some demand there? But how many people are still willing to pay cash if it's the farm next door? Can they? Will they? There's lots of those types of things that I'm interested in seeing this year about who shows up at auctions and, and how they shake out. Will they be lower? Will they be higher? We saw just last in the last few weeks an eye-popping sale in Missouri that was something like $30,000. It was just two neighbors bidding against each other that really wanted a piece of property. Didn't have development potential, but got a huge sum of money. So wanting to see how it goes this fall. I think that's interesting. And then as well, harvest, we've got the WASDE report this Friday um, for the October update on yield supply and demand. I think that will always be of interest in the fall. I was going to mention that, that Missouri land sale. I do think it was a relatively small parcel, but yeah, a wild yeah. price. Yeah. But there have also been some large land sales lately that have been really quite interesting. In North Central Wisconsin, there was a 7,000 acres or so that was sold by a venture capital firm. About half of that was repurchased by local producers and the rest went to other investments. But it was interesting because it was an investor that was making the sale, that this was a fund they'd and a, and a farmland fund they'd been building for more than a decade. And then it was time to liquidate per their agreement and their papers. And it was time. And it was just very interesting to look at. You can learn more about signing up for the 2023 DTN Ag Summit at dtn.com backslash ag summit. The conference this year will run December 6th and 7th. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer with special thanks to Katie Dellinger. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Susan Payne. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, remember... The future of farming is here. This episode is brought to you by DTN Haytimer. Hay and forage quality isn't just about yield. It also relies on the perfect weather window to ensure a good crop. Use DTN Haytimer, part of MyDTN, to quickly assess risk by viewing maps specifically designed to show circumstances affecting hay quality. 
Pennsylvania producer David Graybill said, quote, other weather forecasts were not accurate enough. As DTN Haytimer shows, it takes the right combination of drying to preserve the crop. I would guess we lost three to four times the value in crops that it would cost us to keep our DTN subscription for the year. DTN Haytimer is part of the MyDTN platform. Visit MyDTN.com to start a free 14-day trial.